Hello, listeners. This is episode 46 of Sound Pollution. Thank you again for stopping by this week. Uh, I will be interviewing Scott from The Missing Field, an experimental rock music band. We will be discussing what got him started in music, what his inspirations are, what brought The Missing Field together, recent releases, and as always, stories behind two of the tracks. Please, please click those links in the description section to find out more about this wonderful band and show them some love. I just want to take this moment uh, with a quick trigger warning. The second track that we are sharing with you today does feature some audio from the Jonestown Massacre that some people might find um, hard to listen to. All right, right to the show. All right, listeners, I am here with Scott from The Missing Field, an instrumental experimental rock band that has released, now correct me if I'm wrong, I wrote it down, I hope I'm not wrong, two LPs and three EPs? Did I say it right? Did I reverse it? Uh, No, no. Okay, so why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? I started playing guitar um, when I was 24 because I underwent a a radical change in my life and it was something that i had always wanted to try in, in that I, I i always loved music uh, i grew up with a lot of music because of my um my father who was a huge big band fan uh, and uh in high school uh my my my, my tastes really blossomed i loved uh punk rock and um uh, you know, the Ramones, the Dead Kennedys, the Circle Jerks, yeah. you know, really like heavy guitar driven music. And, you know, I picked up the instrument and um, s- just started teaching myself how to play it, um, uh, which is why, you know, to this day, uh, you know, just d- despite having played for 25 ish years, I'm, I'm not Steve Vai, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- throughout, you know, you pick up an instrument and eventually you get good enough to. Oftentimes these things don't work out uh, because there are so many personalities involved, so many moving parts. Um, and a few years ago, I thought, well, I'm just I'm going to produce a CD. I'm going to produce a CD and I'll just call it quits. And I finally produced a physical CD um, as, as opposed to, you know, digital releases or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, we want to tell the kids what a CD is, but never mind. I was just being an asshole. compact disc, young people. <laughs> a CD is a, a sort of plastic version of a cassette tape. Have you ever heard one of them? And um, the, the band that I got together, I wanted to keep moving forward uh, with, with them um, and continue to play with them. That's the very, very short version of how all of this came to be. Okay, so what got you specifically into music? Yeah, I, th- I think it was the Repo Man soundtrack. But my my musical tastes when I was a kid were variable. Um, that that is like I re- in fourth grade, uh, I really liked ACDC. You know, like Back in Black had come out, and Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap is just you know a straight out burner. Mm. And, and I, I really I really liked the music. And then you know by the time I was in eighth grade, I was listening to ABBA and really appreciating them um just because of the sort of um the sort of like baroque uh style of it you know the um, and great harmonies and great harmonies and you know like like fantastic costumes and stuff like that but when i heard the repa man soundtrack and and heard punk rock i was just i was taken um punk rock 
uh, especially the the spirit of it moved me uh, in a way that other music hadn't. When when I was young and as an as an idealist, punk rock said the things that I knew that I wanted to say but wasn't able to articulate because I didn't have a broad enough consciousness to do so. You know, because I'm a teenager. Right. Uh, and again, those those guitar players stuck with me. You know, uh, you know East Bay Ray from the Dead Kennedys uh, has. Oh, yeah. His style is instantly recognizable, and it it just it it makes you it makes me want to get up and like like you know start skanking or break stuff, you know. <laughs> it's just that. It's just so evocative, and uh, I just continued appreciating for the most part guitar-driven music, um, the Black Crows, the Doors, um, the Grateful Dead, and and all of that sort of got. It, it sort of refined itself as I got older and my tastes started broadening. So when I started listening to like Tom Waits and Miles Davis and Albert Ayer, John Coltrane, Alice Coltrane, uh, Sonny Chirac, and I, my taste just started getting more and more weird, I guess, more and more angular, more atonal. And all of that culminated when I listened to the Mars Volta. Omar Rodriguez Lopez is... He's a machine. He's an absolute machine. You can you can hear salsa music, your punk rock. You can hear jazz. You can hear folk in his in his styles. It's incredible. And um, by the time I heard them, I've been playing guitar long enough that I said, you know, bearing in mind I still like you know Johnny Greenwood and Tom Morello, I want to sound like that. And I mm-hmm. just started chasing it. Okay. That answers my next question. What's your major musical inspiration? But we already know the answer to that now. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So give me more information about The Missing Field. What exactly got that started? Was that just because you wanted to put out that CD or was there something else? It was the CD and it was something else. Um, okay. I had had a band in 2004 and uh, we were playing our all original music again and we were good. We were very good. One of the best compliments that we had gotten, uh, which was also kind of factually accurate, was that we sounded like uh, Tool meets The Doors. Yes. I know. And I thought that we we, we had the potential to go places. And uh, the band broke up um, um, among, you know, treachery and, and lying and things like that to the point I, I mean, you know, uh, I, I I had to ask the people who were in the band to not, I was like, you, you guys got to go, you know, because things were just not handled very well. And I'll, I'll chalk it up to the, you know, exuberance of youth, I suppose. And I was devastated by that. Absolutely. Mm. I had invested a lot of hope in what we were doing. And I gave up the guitar uh, for like seven years behind that. I couldn't play anymore because I... Every time I even approached the instrument, I started sort of internally rolling my eyes and thinking, well, what's the effing point of this, you know? Mm. Um, after several years, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I, I said, right. through this, I want to start playing again, you know. Fuck those guys, you know, that's all in the past. It's over. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do this for myself. And I started picking up and playing, and I'd forgotten how much I loved it. It was at that time that I wanted to, that, that I, you know, that was the impetus for producing the CD was to just finally get to the point that I had thought that 
that that band from so many years ago was going to get to. And I thought that that would sort of be the end of it for me. I would, I would say, okay, I, I did what I came here to do, and it wasn't the beginning of it, or the, it wasn't the, the end of it for me. It was the beginning of something. That had to be hard to not play for that long. But it would also be hard to lose that kind of a, a band, you know, when you're you're going in that direction and you become like family and then it kind of goes downhill. I couldn't imagine that. It was hard. And I'm able to see that in many ways that creative drive in the, 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 the part of me that want to orchestrate and um, come up with interesting ideas and then chop them together and, you know, make a math rock song or something like that, started to try to uh, come out in other areas of my life. Digital collage. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I was, um, you, you and I were talking about um, Neil Gaiman uh, earlier in the Sandman comics and Dave McKean, the artist, the, the British artist who had uh, done the covers for all of his magazines, fascinated the hell out of me. And I tried, oh, yeah. I tried to catch up to him um, in, in that interim period. And then, you know, of course I didn't because he he just he's just in a class by himself. Yeah, he does his own. He's his own thing. Yeah, I I still look at work that he did in, like in his early days, and I can't figure out how he did it. Like how like I can't tell what's paper mache, what's photographed, what's completely created out of pixels. It's it's just mind boggling. Um, so so that you know that that sort of orchestral impulse in me was was trying to come out in that way there was still that creativity going you were just channeling it differently yeah and in a way that ultimately didn't work uh i mean it 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 wasn't fulfilling i could do it technically but it didn't have the same kind of immediacy music and guitar is is something special specifically to you um for you now do you like playing more do you like writing more uh playing um Part of my process is that playing is writing. We, the the band as it exists now, you know, uh, we we have I don't know, say 50 songs or something like that, and they're very tightly orchestrated, but we don't stop playing between them, between the between the songs that we perform. Uh, the goal was to perform these songs but stitch them together with improvisation. If you've ever listened to like the second set of a Grateful Dead show from like 1976 or something like that, <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, they're changing keys. They'll start a song and then you know play three more songs and then finish that first song 40 minutes later. And and, and I love that kind of thing. We want. I wanted to do that with this band to get us to that point. And we've gotten to that point such that a lot of the improvisational stuff will spin itself out and eventually solidify and it will turn into a new song so we'll 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 say hey remember that that bass line that you were holding down or that drum fill that you did or this thing over here on the guitar let's let's look at that and that will become sort of like the the uh, the germ of a new of a new composition so playing is writing for me so let's get into some of that that writing let's talk about teratology Tell me about that. That album, Comorbid Benzodiazepines, it, it, it was something of a, of a departure for us in that I didn't bring the music to the band first. Uh, my drummer, Michael Milk, had an idea for a song that he brought to me and said, you know, could we do this? Can you come up with something for it? 
And I eventually kicked the project back to him. And I said, hey, it sounds as if you know where this wants to go. So you 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 provide the foundation. And Mike Kemp, you know, the, the uh, my, my Chapman stick player, and I will work around you. So he came up with this very, very tightly wound electronic, well, analog and electronic music uh, mixed down. It was just one really, really, really long bar of music. And Mike Kemp and I started to sort of wrap our own music around it. And that turned into EP comorbid diazepines. Teratology was meant to, it was the final track of the, uh, of the EP. And as we were sort of mixing it down, uh, Mike Milk and I simultaneously had the idea, like, we need a saxophone player on this. Do we know any saxophone players? players? And I said, you know, you know what? I know a guy on Instagram who is putting out an album with the, the horn player from the Mars Volta, Adrian Carrazza Gonzalez. I'll ask him if he, I'll, you know, we're, we're in lockdown. I'll, I'll see if the guy's at home, you know? And so right. I, I, I contacted uh, Omar Ghaznavi. Uh, he, he's a musician and a producer in Houston. And I was like, hey, man, how did you, how did you get hooked up with uh, Adrian? And he's like, I'll just DM him, dude. And so I sent him a Oh, my God. You're like, it's that easy? Yeah, it was that easy. And um, that's exactly what they said, too. uh, The the rest of them, they're like, dude, that was really it. And I'm like, yeah, you just had to ask the question. Apparently, the problem is just asking it to the right person. So he he responded. He's like, yeah, man, just let me know what you need me for. You know, here, here are the studio rates, and I will produce such and such for you. And okay, great. And so we finished what we were doing, and we sent him Teratology. And he, first of all, he is one of the, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever worked with. He was, wow. He was so gracious uh, about everything and sharing his music with us. Uh, for example, he he didn't he didn't underpromise what he was giving us, but he overdelivered. Like he gave us so much music to work with, and we were allowed to use it any way we saw fit which is just unheard of almost yeah super forthcoming he was like fun to talk to you know you know via text and email and he's he's a great guy and you know it blew our minds when we when we received this stuff we're like you know we're like uh okay we we have music here from a man who's won a grammy you know Mm -hmm. he's a a grammy award-winning artist and he's on Mm -hmm. this album oh man this is this bragging is, rights dude yeah total bragging rights <laughs> and and it happened because i dm'd a guy from uh, on instagram you know which again just very you know it's, it's hilarious and mind-blowing so uh teratology is the final track of the ep and the sort of summation of the journey that the unspoken protagonist goes through okay uh, and this is the part of uh this is the version of teratology where his journey is successful and he gets to where he intends to.
the bardo forget not these words, and bury their meaning in our flaws, and then life provides a secret of recognition. When the uncertain experience of reality is dawning upon me here, with every thought of fear, or terror, or awe for all apparition and appearances set aside, may I recognize whatever visions appear as the reflections of my own consciousness. May I know them to be of the nature of apparition in the bardo. When at this all-important moment of opportunity of achieving a great end, may I not fear the bands of peaceful Now, the video is very interesting, too. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, Did you like it? I didn't understand it fully. I'm not going to lie. I was like, wait, what? what's happening? It was very visually interesting. If you took it away from the music, it would be art in itself. Oh, thank you. But I wasn't quite understanding exactly what was going on. So why don't you fill me in there? Uh, do you want me to spoil the surprise? Or? No, I don't really want you to spoil the surprise. I guess you're right. I, I can't. I can tell you this though. Um, can you give me something to go off of so that when I watch I it again, I can be like, ah, okay. I can give you something to go. Okay. Off. The journey taken by the unspoken protagonist mm-hmm. of the album, who by the way is pictured on the cover art, is taken directly from the so-called Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Bardo Total, uh, which means that okay. the person who is taking this journey is dead and is going, going through the Bardos of his, uh, of his death. Okay, now I'm going to watch it again. Okay. <laughs> I'm already in my head seeing something like, okay, so now that I got it. Okay. So the whole album is uh, one story. Yes. yes it is. Okay. It's not. It's not an album that you can listen to on random repeat. <laughs> what is it about experimental music specifically that caught your attention? Why write experimental rock? Because we all of us like creating music that we would like to listen to. Ourselves. Okay. I love albums that I can put on and listen to through headphones hmm. and close my eyes and get taken somewhere. And that doesn't necessarily have to be experimental rock in my experience. Um, for example, the Beastie Boys put an album out called In Sound From Way Out, which was instrumental versions of songs that they had already released, some of which were right. like, on Check Your Head, you know. Right. But they are such fantastic musicians listening to these tracks. Oh, God, they're just so they're just so talented. You know, at, you know, you know, Adam Yock was a fantastic bass player. And I, I can listen to that album just all day through headphone and when and it takes me somewhere you know right um i i can i can feel when i am listening to the album that i'm in a meditative state uh, at some points and when i finish the album i feel as if something has happened things have shifted uh and, and i'm energized by that the music that we create is a function of the fact that we all on some level and in certain varying ways experience music in the same way or like to experience music in the same way so that's what experimental music does for you when you write and play it not exactly um okay well what, what you, you would ask why experimental rock right uh, it's just the way that the music comes out of us um, okay i mean and some of it has to do with 
our influences and our abilities, both the things that we can do and the things that we can't do. Um, some of it has to do with the fact that, you know, in a lot of ways, the band is, you know, I mean, it, it, it consists of weirdos. Hold on. Time out. Let's talk about the weirdos, because you've said a couple names, but I didn't quite catch them. They weren't very loud. So who's all in the group and who all plays what? OK, my drummer is named Michael Milk and my the 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 member of the band who handles both bass and synth uh, is Ooh. Mike Kemp. And he he does uh, he, he he's able to do that because he plays the Chapman stick. Are you familiar with these? No. It's a touch guitar. It is picture, if you will, a um, a two by four. Okay. That has been whose back has been rounded so that a person can hold it, and then that two by four is strapped to their body vertically like a bagpipe, mm-hmm. and this two by four has ten strings on it, five on what would be called a bass side and five on what would be called a treble side, mm-hmm. and there are two pickups at the bottom one which is capable of reading the bass strings and another of which is capable of reading the treble strings and those can get put out to different sets of pedals so in tapping these strings um, left hand on top and right hand on bottom uh, left hand holding the treble and right hand handling the bass okay you can play synth and bass parts simultaneously that's sick i have never confusing. heard of this yeah um uh, king crimson uh, they, they they employed one. Uh, they still do. Uh, Tony Levin uh, play, okay. played for them. And it's, it's a wild instrument. Okay, who else is in the group? Um, so that's Mike Kemp. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's also, a, he's also a visual artist. He paints and he draws. He's very talented at both of those things. Um, and then Michael Milk, again, the drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, he's fascinated by ideas. He's very open-minded. And... <laughs> He invented he invented a utility kilt for himself. He's, 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 he's one of he's one of these very very organic DIY guys. Mm-hmm. So he got he got tired of carrying things around like in a bag or like in a backpack, you know. So he took this blanket, and over several weeks of refining how to wear it, he 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 basically invented half a kimono for himself, where he wears this thing. On the lower half of his body, and he can put like his hydro flask in it, and, <laughs> and, his, and his keys, and his drumsticks, and things like that. So he'll be walking down the street, basically wearing a dress, a very functional dress, but a dress nevertheless. And uh, just he, and on no level does he care. It's not. Like he's, it's not. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even. There's at, at no point does it enter into his mind that people might be looking at him and thinking that he's weird. He's he's that weird. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So you've got a Mike and a Michael. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you. And and me. And yeah. you. Yeah. Two Mikes got, and Scott. Two Mikes <laughs> and Scott. Yeah. Um, which is why I refer to them by their last names because. If got it. Uh, oddly enough, um, at one point uh, Michael Milk was playing bass, and we needed a drummer. Um, which was why he eventually shifted over to drums. But uh, one of the drummers that we uh, tried on for a while was also named Michael. Okay. Because we live in, you know, the Roman Catholic capital of Pennsylvania, apparently. And um, <laughs> so his name was Michael Graham. And we were joking that we were going to have to change the name of the band to Three Mikes and a Scott. Yeah. Yeah, you were there. You were there. That would have we, happened. We, we were there. No, we. I couldn't I couldn't do that. Like, I, I, I have this 
very oftentimes brittle sense of dignity. I could not allow myself to be in a band called Three Mics in the Sky. You have to. No, I couldn't. Have to. I, I could if it were a different band, like if we were doing like Eve Six covers or something. Yeah. Right, like if it was just for her fun. Yes, yeah, but I, 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 I couldn't do that professionally. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that second song you sent me, Zoonotic Scratching. Zoonotic Scratching, yeah. Um, this album is called Bury Them and Keep Quiet. Mm. was written spontaneously last year at the height of pandemia. This was in the middle of not only the daily apprehension that we were all living with, but the near obscene political discourse that was taking place about science and masks and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement on top of it. Yeah. Compounded and made worse by the former president, who, when he wasn't being a buffoon, seemed to be interested in actively killing people. Yeah. And we we created this album in a single day. And when I was mixing it, well, let me take a step back. The album is not easy to listen to. Uh, if you listen to it all the way through, you will hear Jim Jones talking to the people at Jonestown as he is having them poison themselves with, mm. the, with the, um, yeah. the flavor aid, the, the, the poison flavor aid that he had them drink. You can hear children screaming in the background. You can hear parents asking why they're doing this. And you and, and all the time you're, you're listening to this guy talk about how he's doing the best thing for them that he possibly can and that he's never lied to them and that, you know, there were places that would have taken us in before, but, you know, that's dead now. This is the only option we have left to us. We're committing revolutionary suicide. We're the only people who know what's going on. And the parallels between what he did in Jonestown, what he said in Jonestown, and what the former president did and said last year are they're beyond right so i wow. overlaid and edited jim jones talking over this over this entire album and in zoonotic scratching um in in order to directly draw a parallel between a cult consisting of people who were willing to destroy themselves because a crazed, megalomaniacal, probably clinically insane leader told him to do so. Wow, I hadn't made that connection, but that's that's scary. And like I said, it's, it's, it's dark. The album to listen to. It's not e- it's not easy for me to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoonotic scratching is sort of the crescendo uh, of the album. Um, uh, zoonosis is um, uh, an infectious disease that is caused uh, when a pathogen jumps from an animal to a human, which of course is part of the, the discourse around what was happening last year. Um, mm. uh, we were just pissed. We were angry. That's, that's a lot of us were. Very, most of us were angry. We were angry or scared. We 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 were, we were pissed. 
So you turned those feelings into art. Yeah. There, uh, there are parts in, in, in zoonotic scratching. Uh, when I listen to it, I don't even remember playing. I don't even know how I did it. Um, <laughs> but it, it manifested itself properly. Uh, I, without too much ego, I can, I think I can say it's, it's the most powerful album that we've produced so far, in, in my estimation, anyway. Quickly, 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 quickly.
things are slowly opening up. Are you guys looking forward to perhaps playing live anywhere? Oh my God, yes. Do you have anything yes. set up yet? Uh, almost, not quite. Awesome. Um, okay. We, we're PACA, uh, the Performing Artists Collective Alliance uh, here in town, since last year has been running a uh, live stream uh, concert series every Sunday awesome. uh, at 8 o'clock. Um, uh, PACA1505.org. Uh, you can recommend that your listeners go. You said PACA1505.org? Yes, .org. I'll, I'll make sure there's a link in the description for that as well. Uh, the, yeah, they, they would they would love the support. Um, we're playing for them for the second time, actually, um, on August 15th. Um, that's all that we have lined up right now. Um, it would not, and not for lack of trying, believe you me. Uh, it seems that because things are opening up, however, you know, slowly and circumspectly, that booker, booking agents rather, and promoters are sort of taking care of the big guys first and yeah. getting them out there in order to generate enough um, money and energy into opening things back up widely enough so that you know little little guys like us can so uh, the independent artists can play too yes exactly so glad it's almost over we're, we're getting there very much so yeah uh i actually went to I, I sat in a coffee shop last week for the first time in you know however many months and um it was really pleasant it was so nice. You know what was crazy? Part of the reason we got the sunburns that I told you about before we started recording. When my dad is fully vaccinated, so when he came to visit, he was like, what do you guys want to do? Well, me and my daughter used to love to go to the zoo. I love the zoo because it's fake nature, and I can kind of feel my blood pressure just kind of drop. Uh, and uh, she just likes kids, animals, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well... He was fully vaccinated. We were partially vaccinated and we were outside and people were social distancing, which I found very surprising as crowded as it was. And so we were standing outside and I was just like. We missed the zoo so bad. We have been back five times in three weeks. That's bad. I bought a fucking membership. Nice. I had no idea how much I missed the, these weird things. Like coffee shops and zoos and yeah. a movie. I'm still afraid to do that. I am. Oh, I am. Yeah. Um, is, is there anything you missed about the zoo particularly? Like, you know, was it the red pandas or? A, a the, well, well, there was a baby elephant born that I didn't oh, get to see until like, yeah, I have a thing about elephants and tigers. So that was cute. I was like, I want to see the baby elephant. Like we heard about it. <laughs> and I got to see it. And I wanted to see it. And it was still fairly small. Are you allowed to feed the elephant peanuts? No. They don't do that anymore? Okay. No. There's the only thing you can really interact with are the lorikeets, uh, which you can go into their pen and they'll and you can hold these little vials of nectar and all those birds will land on you. Yes. yes. They still don't have that open. I'm so fucking sad. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. Did and you ever gosh. put the, the vial of nectar like on your head? No, my best friend did though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very strange feeling having a having a burb, you know, walk on top of your dome, but it's it's really funny, especially for the people who can, who are looking at you. Yeah. I missed that and uh 
I just, I, I like to be outside. So it's like in the city, it's this nice way to get out and feel like you're not in the city for a second. Have you been to a coffee shop yet? Um, I've gone inside of a Starbucks to order coffee instead of going through the drive-thru, and then I walked out. I, I haven't sat there yet. Okay. And when I went to the hippie part of town the other day, they their coffee shops were open, and there were people sitting outside, and I was like, I should really balls up. I'm, I'm vaccinated. I can go do this now, and I'm still afraid to do it. Like, I could do a movie now, and I'm still afraid to do it. It's like, I don't know when that undercurrent of fear is going to go away. I understand. I'm going to make it go away because I'm never I'm I'm never holding still again after this. I think that y'all are going to and I think I think that we all will have reached a point where we you know we're just tired of it and you know some people obviously hit that wall last like I don't know July. Right. Um, whatever reasons but you know um I think it was um I think it was Picasso maybe who said that um once you get sick of being sick, you start getting well. I like that. But I, you know, <laughs> the next time you go to the hippie coffee shop, I need to. I, I highly recommend sitting down and just enjoying the fact that you are in a coffee shop. And maybe I can bring a book from my stack of shame. Bring a book from the stack of shame and and get into that sucker, yeah. Get into just, that book. So how can my listeners find you, you and your band? We 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 do have a website. Um, it's missingfield.com. From there, they can find our social media, uh, which is limited to Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we we will not we don't do Facebook. Uh, they can also find us on um, uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, okay, uh, that was iTunes, and also if you really really hate your family, you can ask Alexa to play <laughs> some of <laughs> some of some of our songs. No, um, hold on, hold on. I want you to say that sentence all together really clear, ladies. Alexa. Play the missing field. <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at. Is Alexa queuing up? <laughs> no, but anybody who has an Alexa when they listen to this, it will. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, yes. Okay. And my final question, what advice would you have to give the new musician? The hardest question. What do you wish someone had said to you? I, I, I wish that people would have two things to me. One would be keep moving forward. And the other would be what Rilke uh, wrote in his letters to his young, the, the young poet with whom he corresponded, which is nobody can give you the answer that you're looking for. The only place that you will ever find that is inside yourself. That's good. Do you feel like you spent a lot of your early years as a musician focused on what other people thought? I think that I focused on moving forward for the wrong reasons. Okay. To be completely fair to myself, my younger self, uh, you know, I was doing the best that I could with the information that I had available. Right. Uh, and I, uh, I didn't lack integrity. At least I hope I didn't, you know, lack integrity. But I but I was moving forward for the wrong reasons. That's fair. I think we all get a little lost. Yes, we do. Journey. Yeah. In all fairness. Getting getting found is the. That's where the real trouble starts. <laughs> huh. That's a lyric to something. Uh you're free to you're you're free to write that down. Just, oh, I already uh, was. Okay. Just, you know, just cite cite me cite me in the liner notes. That's all I want. Getting. <laughs> 
Hey, if you beat me to it, that's fine too. Oh uh, no! Remember, we're instrumental. That's right. You don't. You yeah, don't use so, your saha. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Scott. Thank you so much for joining Sound Pollution today. I appreciate you. Renell, thank you very much for having had me on. It was a, uh, it was an honor uh, to be on the podcast, and it was it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, and share, share, share. does not just help me. It helps the musicians that are on the show. Um, There will be some updates regarding sound pollution coming up in this week's live, so make sure that you... Make sure that you follow Sound Pollution on social media so that you can see what is going on. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, thank you, Scott, for being on the show. And you all be love and make some noise. <laughs>